0: Its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues. This station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tug Entertainment or
1: its partners. It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host Brian K Wright here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright.
0: Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I am your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is a pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and it's going to be a really fantastic show. I'll be introducing my guests shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It's going to be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I'll do this every week. If you've heard of this show before, you know that Brian Tracy is one of my favorite authors. I read a quote by him recently that I've read before, and it's always a great reminder. It's simply this, if you swing hard enough and often enough, you must eventually hit a home run. There are two parts to that. Swinging hard means giving your best effort all the time. You can't hit a home run if you're swinging half-heartedly. Success requires your full effort all of the time. You must also swing often enough. It's pretty rare to have major success in anything the very first time you do something. It requires consistent effort. So many people give up too early in the game when they don't see immediate success. You may have to try many things in order to find the thing that you are ultimately destined to do in life. Swinging hard enough and often enough is the key to high achievement in any field With all of this in mind, I'd like to introduce my guest. Before I forget, let me give you the call-in number in case you'd like to call in and participate in today's discussion. That number is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. My guest this week is Greg Schwemm. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a corporate stand-up comedian and humorous business speaker. He's performed for companies including Microsoft, Cisco Systems, United Airlines, Motorola, IBM, and McDonald's. Greg has also appeared in concert with the likes of Celine Dion, Jay Leno, and Julio Iglesias. His comedy bits about business and technology can be heard regularly on XM Radio's Laugh USA. His TV appearances include stints on VH1's Stand-Up Spotlight, A&E Night at the Improv, A&E Caroline's Comedy Hour, comedy Central's short attention and span theater his book text me if you're breathing was written after he struggled trying to master text messaging lingo ipod transfers nintendo wii and myriad other technologies that his children handle with ease greg shows readers that technology while complicated can be hilarious along the way he also aims his barbs at tiger woods the consumer electronics show in vitro fertilization the national spelling bee and the movie avatar insightful, heartfelt, and always funny. Text me if you're breathing is proof that parenting will never come with technical support. With all this in mind, let me bring on my guest, Greg Schwim. Greg, are you there?
2: I am, Brian. It's great to be here.
0: It's great to have you. Welcome to Success Profiles Radio. The first thing that I'd like to do is to uh, ask you a little bit about your background. How did you get started in <laughs> this night nice that you're on?
2: Yeah. it's Well, it was kind of an interesting transition. I mean, I obviously uh, never... Imagine myself being a comedian full time i uh, uh, I was always a fan of comedy and I started doing stand-up when I was sixteen. but yeah. at the time, I just figured it was uh, um, you know just a hobby and so forth and i went to I went to college and I studied journalism at uh, Northwestern University, which is a pretty good journalism school and um, always wanted to be a journalist and uh, but I moved to Florida. I started being a newspaper reporter. Then I became a television reporter, and um, but I never stopped doing comedy, and eventually I decided I liked making people laugh more than I liked depressing them, which is what I felt like I was doing every single night, being a okay. news reporter. Um, and that was 20 years ago. I mean, now it's, it's even, it's, you know, it's even worse as far as what's out there, what passes for news these days. So, um, I moved back to Chicago. I was down in Florida at the time and I moved back to my hometown of Chicago and started doing, uh, stand up. And at the time, if you remember back in the, uh, late eighties, early nineties, comedy was huge. It was everywhere. Uh, it was all over. There were comedy clubs everywhere. There was comedy on cable everywhere. And, uh, I was looking for a way to kind of stand out from the crowd a little bit. And I kind of fell into doing stand-up at corporate events and um, just pretty much uh, transitioned my whole act. And that's really all I do now. You really can't find me at a comedy club. You can only find me doing shows at business events and uh, sales kickoffs and those kind of things. And that's what I enjoy doing.
0: That's wonderful. So how how did you really discover that comedy was what you wanted to do i mean were you the class clown or were you the one that ever or were you the one that everyone thought oh he thinks he's funny but he's really not i mean what was it for you
2: kind of in between that um i always say there's i was the class wise guy and there's a difference between the class clown and the class wise guy in the fact that the the class clown makes the other students laugh the class wise guy makes the teacher laugh uh in other words so the class wise guy never gets in trouble because as and i found that very early a, a teacher can't Get mad at you when she, he or she is laughing, so that yes. was always what I tried to do. You have to kind of pick your spots yeah, <laughs> if exactly you, if you want to do that, but that's, that's what I, uh, uh, I, I, I always enjoyed studying comedians I, you know I, I listened to Steve Martin albums until uh, they started to the scratch and uh, mm-hmm. I, I just I just always thought it was a, a really Interesting form of entertainment uh, and something I like to do. I just like making people laugh. So I wasn't, you know, you always hear about comedians that have these really difficult upbringings and horrible home lives and and all these uh, all these different uh, issues and so forth. And and that's not me. I I just uh, I grew up in the suburbs and middle class suburbs and just was a guy that liked making people laugh and wanted to do it for a living. And that was that's what I'm doing.
0: That's wonderful. So you listen to Steve Martin an awful lot, and of course, back in the '70s when he was on Saturday Night Live and. He had that song, King Time. He was all over the place. Oh, um, he was.
2: Yeah. I really think he brought
0: comedy definitely. to me. Who, who are some of your... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was going to ask, besides him, who are some of your other role models in comedy?
2: Uh, I was a big Letterman fan very early on. I used to watch David Letterman when he used to guest host The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. I don't know if you remember for a while. Yes. He, he was almost the guest host every Monday night. And, and I never heard of this guy. Um, but I happened to catch him one night, and I would always watch on Monday night when he was going to be on, but there's just something about the way that he um, did his monologue that I just thought was so, so much like the kind of comedy I was trying to write. I used to watch him and think, I want to be this guy. Uh, I want to talk like this guy. Um, and uh, so from very early on, he was. As far as you know, who I really enjoy today, um, I, I'm, I'm a Chris Rock fan. Uh, I'm not guy. Uh, you know it's a, a lot of people think really that doesn 't sound like you because Chris Rock works pretty blue um, and yeah. he 's a little raw sometimes, but I really like what he has to say I, I think he d- has done a great job at mm-hmm. at mixing comedy with what 's going on in the country, um, whereas everybody can kind of agree with him um, yeah I, I, I think that I think comedy <clears throat> these days is becoming i think comedians are getting away from what a comedian is supposed to do, which is just to go out there and make people laugh. I think that now a lot of comedians they feel like they have to make political statements or they have to be controversial, and they have to. And, and I, 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 think that's wrong. And uh, I know a lot of comedians disagree with me, but I think if you if you polled people standing outside a comedy club and you asked them, "What do you hope to get out of this tonight?" I think all of them would say, "I just want to laugh." I don't think anybody would say, "Well, I really hope." That someone uh, spends twenty minutes talking about abortion or their views on abortion or their views on birth control, or you know, I, I just don't think that's what people want when they go out. They want to be, they want to get away. They want to, they want to be entertained, and then they want to yeah. go home and say that was a fun evening.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what. I've I've seen a few stand-up com- comedians uh, live. I thought Anthony Clark was hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, John Panette, I think, is really funny. So,
2: yeah, very funny. Yeah. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres has a really, those, as Ellen DeGeneres is great, you know, and, and if you, you know, all those people that you name, they kind of stay away from, they just make exactly. people laugh about real life subjects. And, uh, and I still think that if you look at the comedians that really have achieved longevity, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Cosby, who's still going strong at what, yeah. 75. I mean, and that's the kind of comedy they're doing that, that kind of comedy will never, ever go out of style. Yeah. And, uh, and and that's always the kind of the way that I've tried to uh, structure my show. And mm-hmm. even in um, even though I do stand up for business, I mean, I try to when I when I look out at a business audience, I think, okay, what is a business audience going to think is funny, and what they think is funny is the kind of stuff that they can relate to. You know, their their uh, uh, their ever present addiction to their blackberries or their smartphones, or the fact right. that they have to sit in seventeen different meetings uh, in a course of a day, and then get on four different conference calls. Then mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they go well. Uh, okay, I accomplished absolutely nothing today. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did yeah. all, that. and that's like I kind of I, I try to get into people's heads and just yeah. think what, what's what's going to make them laugh. Yeah, do you draw
0: any inspiration from cartoon strips like Dilbert and Kathy?
2: You know, a little bit. Um, actually, my favorite <laughs> my favorite comic strip, but I I miss it every day was Calvin and Hobbes. Uh yeah. I, I, I think that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, brilliant strip um you know kathy dilbert dilbert a little bit uh, a lot of people call me the dilbert comedian because uh my show is called comedy with a bite byt and they think oh computer humor yada 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 uh dilbert humor is a little it, it's a little bit even more um, uh highbrow i think than what i do yeah. it's, he's, he's really he really yeah. gets into the technology i try to keep it a little more yeah. general yeah
0: I, I tell you what my favorite cartoon of all time is peanuts uh, but okay. I also really, really liked The Far Side. I thought that was hysterical.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. I mean, just twisted kind of humor. I mean, one of my favorite comedians that unfortunately passed away a couple years ago was Mitch Hedberg. And Mitch yes. Hedberg, if you ever, uh, for those who don't know who he is, you should YouTube him. And he, he, again, just he, if, if he drew a cartoon, uh, a comic strip, it would be like Gary Larson's The Far Side because of that same kind of mentality.
0: Yeah, I I'm totally with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just ask uh real quickly. We've got just a minute before our first break. Sure. Um, how how did you know that you wanted to make a career out of this? I mean, this is a really competitive thing that you're doing.
2: It is. It is. And I just, you know, it was it was more like, I mean, you you talk about your 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 title of your show is Success Radio. I mean, I uh wanted to live a dream, I think. I and I knew that if I didn't try doing this for a living, if I didn't quit my job early and try it, I look back and say, I wish I'd done that. And uh, um, I started to look at other comedians and see that they were making people laugh and making a living at it. And I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. So Mm -hmm. that's how I did it.
0: Absolutely. Okay, we are coming right up against our first break. I am talking with Greg Schwem. He's a corporate comedian. We've been talking a little bit about his background in comedy and who he admires in comedy and the fact that he's making a career out of making people laugh. We will revisit some more issues and some more topics with Greg Schwem, my very special guest this week. Right after the break, we will be right back on the other side. Please stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio.
1: is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people
3: behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions? in both their business and personal lives, then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years. And now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday
1: at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. In today's business world, you have to be LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Carol is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. In each show, the LinkedIn Lady will have a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of facebook twitter youtube google plaxo squidoo and of course linkedin for more on carol and the show check out her website linkedinlady.com join us for the linkedin lady show with your host carol mcmanus every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m central on the rockstar radio network
0: And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. I am Brian K. Wright. My very special guest is Greg Schwimm, who's a corporate comedian and author. And in the first segment, we talked about how he got started in comedy and who his role models are. And we were talking a little bit about how he started to make a career out of this because it is such a competitive field. So Greg, I want to continue with that line of discussion. I want to ask, how did you know that it was time for you to pursue comedy full time? I mean, I'm sure it was a big leap of faith. How did did you end up deciding that?
2: Yeah, it was. I I think I, when I was in Florida, I there was a I used to hang out at a comedy club, uh, a really good one, and um, it was in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I used to study some of the really good comics that came there. But I was more interested in studying some of the guys that came bef- that went on before the big stars, uh, the ones that opened for Jerry Seinfeld or Bill Maher or some of those other ones that came, Jeff Foxworthy or some of those other ones that came down there. Um, And I basically just looked at them and I said, you know, these guys don't look like they're putting a whole lot of effort into what they're doing. And I think that if I took it a little more seriously, that I could really quickly get into those ranks. And that's really what I did. I think one of the things that uh, a lot of comedians, they, they don't realize is that, comedy is a business, um, and it needs to be treated like a business. And, and, you know, even though you're, you might be only up on stage, people say, well, you only, uh, they, people say to me, Greg, you only work 45 minutes a day. That's a pretty easy job. Well, <laughs> that, yeah I'm on stage for 45 minutes a day but mm-hmm. it's the rest of the day that make that's the tough part I always say that's the easy part of my day is being up on stage in front yeah. of people making them laugh it's the rest of the day so I I, I took it very seriously and I uh, I ne- I started networking as much as I could and this was before Twitter and Facebook and and the internet and so forth but if that meant sending out uh VHS tapes of my show all day long that's what I did and uh, Mm. I was just persistent until I got in with some of these clubs and some of the chains some of the big chains that were booking uh, that had 15-20 clubs around the country and then I got my car and I drove to all of them and Mm. um, that's uh, that's that was that was really the first couple of years yeah So not the most glamorous lifestyle but it was certainly uh, it was a great school that's for sure I mean I I I, it's, it's weird because a lot of times you know I'll go to New York City and I'll see comics that you can tell by their act, have never, ever been out of New York City. Um, and you know <laughs> jokes about the Yankees are hilarious in New York City, but are they funny in, uh, in, in Indiana? Are they, fu- you know, are they funny in Indianapolis? Are they funny in Grand Rapids, right, exactly. Michigan? Are they funny in Phoenix? And I think until you really work the country, you really don't have a sense of what people think is funny.
0: That's actually a really good point, because you know the same things aren't funny to people everywhere. Right. If it's funny right. in New York City, it may not be funny in Arkansas or mm-hmm. Iowa or New Mexico. It's a really great point. And yeah. the whole thing about you know people thinking, "Oh, we only work 45 minutes a day." I, I can sort of relate to that a little bit because I <laughs> did I did do stand-up comedy one time. I attempted okay. it once. Um, I was working with uh, a friend who does comedy locally. And I'd always mentioned, you know, I would love to try it sometime. Well, one day he surprised me and said, you know what? I'm hosting a showcase. One of my acts canceled. Give me your best, you know, five to seven minutes and be there tonight, which was basically three hours away. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so I decided, you know what? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I did it. And I put together seven minutes. There were, I think six or seven comedians, and I think I was the fourth or fifth one to perform, and I was a little nervous. I mean I was watching the the people before me, and I thought, you know, some of these comedians, their humor is an acquired taste, and I wasn't really quite about some of the people who were going on before me, Mm -hmm. but um, I did my bit. And it was kind of i mean kind of raw in the sense that I had never done it before, not raw in terms of the material, um, but I made it through, and it was it, it actually went pretty well i 've not done it again, but I'm glad mm-hmm. to say that I did it once. It was on my bucket list of things to do, and I did it. <laughs> so it does take more than just seven minutes. I mean you have to prepare and it takes more oh, than yeah. forty five minutes for you because you have to prepare um, let's talk a little bit about your preparation process as long as we 're on that topic. I mean when you work for various Corporate uh, entities doing comedy and being their keynote performer. What is that preparation process like for
3: you?
2: Yeah, it's very intense. Um, you can't. One thing I noticed very quickly about doing comedy in a business setting: uh, first of all, business people are not stupid. Uh, they know when you're phoning one in, um, and they will tune you out if they feel that way. I mean, I am all keynote speakers in a business environment are you're basically on their turf and their turf means you might be presenting during the workday. Uh, I don't necessarily do a lot of shows at night. I do a lot of shows in, in mid morning, uh, in early afternoon, in the middle of the week. So my biggest competition is, uh, I, I not only have to make an audience laugh, but I have to get them to, to stop looking at their, uh, their iPhones, their iPads. In some cases, their laptops that people mm-hmm. bring into room because these, you know, corporate people want to be connected all the time. And, mm-hmm. um, so, so that being said, I need to make sh- absolutely sure that very early on in my show, I let them know that I know about them and that I am doing a show specifically for them. So my preparation includes, I, I, I send out a questionnaire to the, uh, the big wigs of the company, the people that hired me, usually that's figure the marketing director. It might be an HR person. And I ask, um, what's going on in your company? Uh, is there a new product out there that you're really excited about? Is there something that hasn't worked uh, that you might be willing to laugh at? Um, I want to know if there's been anything horrible that's happened in the company. Did you have to lay off people? Did you have to uh, wear their salary freezes? Anything like that, anything, because the more I know about the organization, the easier it is, and the quicker I can relate that to the, um, uh, to the audience. And, and once they realize that, people will stop and they will say okay well, I should listen to this guy because he knows he knows me mm-hmm. and that's that's my goal
0: that's awesome if anyone wants to call in and speak with Greg or talk to us about what we're talking about today that call in number is 866 404 6519 once again that's 866 404 One nine. So, Greg, it does sound like your preparation approach is is unique to each of the companies that you're working with. And it's not cookie cutter. It's not one speech everywhere you go, uh, which I think is is fantastic. I want to talk a little bit about the differences between corporate comedy and club comedy. You've done both. You've already gone over a little bit what corporate comedy is like in terms of their expectations of you. What do you think are some of the primary differences? and, And why did you lean toward corporate comedy instead of club comedy?
2: Well, um. I think in 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 club comedy, you can pretty much say anything. Uh, I don't think it used to be that way, but I think with uh with what you know with what's on cable television and so forth, there's really no ground rules. I think that's the if, if I had to boil it down to one word, but in, as far as what's the difference, the rule would be uh there the word would be rules. There are rules in doing corporate comedy you you need to be politically correct you Your show has to be free of profanity um again you are basically representing this company even though i am an outside speaker that comes in i feel like i'm a representative of them and um uh, i think it's very you you have to know that and be willing to play by that there play by those rules i think there are comedians out there that that say well you can you can tell me what you what i can and can't do but i'm i'm the guy and i'll just do what i darn well please mm-hmm. and uh, and i think there's a lot of i think for that reason Ah, uh, there's a lot of corporations, unfortunately, that I think have shied away from putting humor into their meetings, into their live events. I think that's a shame because I think that uh, uh, in the business world, laughter is needed now more than ever, particularly as we mm-hmm. claw our way out of this recession. Mm-hmm. But um, I've heard I've heard stories from businesses that say, yeah, you know, we had a guy two years ago, and it was really embarrassing, and we had to pull him off stage, and we specifically told him not to say this and gosh darn it, if he didn't go ahead and say it anyway. And uh, then, we, uh, then we had to write – we had to email an apology to everybody. And, uh, mm. and, and I, you know, I, I used to hear stories like that, Brian. I used to think, okay, well, that's one less guy in the corporate comedy pool that I have to worry about. But really, uh, when you hear stories like that, it really makes us all look bad. And I hate yeah. hearing stuff like that because we're not like that. And, it's, yeah. and it really is very easy to not be like that if you do your homework and if you're, um, you're willing to, uh, uh, again, write material about the group.
0: Yeah that's that's a really excellent point because I mean one bad apple can spoil it for Everybody else, mm-hmm. and, was, and and it is competitive, but at the same time, you want to prop up the industry because if if something goes terribly wrong, like you said, you know corporations will shy away from the kind of work that you do, and it dries things up for you. And and yeah. hopefully that doesn't ever happen.
2: And, and also, if I can if I can make one more point about that, um, sure. You know, there's a there's a fine line. Uh, people, you ask about the difference. There's a there's a there's a fine line between, uh, poking fun at somebody or something and mocking them. Uh, like in club comedy, you can really stretch the boundaries and just, just rip on whatever subject you want to rip on in corporate comedy. There has to be limits. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a good example. I did a show for McDonald's, um, several years ago, and maybe you remember the, uh, uh, the, this is right after they were coming out of the arch deluxe campaign. And yes. the Arch Deluxe was a was was really a colossal flop. It's it's it still goes down as one of the biggest advertising. Failures. It's, it's right below new Coke as far as just it just didn't work. And um, the McDonald's people basically said to me, look, we, we can take a joke. Don't push it. Uh, in other words, a couple of lines here and there is fine. But don't do 10 minutes about the Arch Deluxe because now we're going right. to get a little now. It's not going to be funny anymore to us. And, uh, um, and and those are the kind of things I want to know. Uh, so, again, I think that really when I always say to the company, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some laughs at maybe your expense. But ultimately, I want to be your biggest cheerleader as well.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's an really excellent point. But there, I mean, there is a big difference between making fun of something and, and mocking something. And I know that some some comedians and I'm talking primarily, you know, club comedians, they make their living making fun of certain things. I mean, Kathy Griffin's angle is that she makes fun of celebrities. Um, you know, and, and people like that because, you know, celebrities, a lot of them seem, you know, we're here and you're down there. And I think there's something about society that, that says, you know, they, they like to build people up and then they like to rip them down however they want. And <laughs> yes. it's fun. It's fun to listen to stories about people that you're supposed to look up to for whatever reason. Some people are just famous for doing absolutely nothing at all. Um yeah. But um, after, after this break, which is coming right up, we're going to discuss the angle that you come from. And you talk about technology and you talk about parenting and how that all works together. So we will definitely be you know, visiting that subject here um, during our next segment. So um, um, if, what, if I could just ask real quickly, I mean, what's, what's really next for you? I mean, you, I mean, I know that your gigs are for corporations, so they're, they're private events. Do you have a pretty full schedule coming up?
2: I do, I do, and and there, there's really no particular industry that I'm doing uh, that I focus on. I mean, yeah, technology is kind of my hook. But okay. my next show is for a hospital group. My show after that is for a, uh, a, a, a um, an electronics distributor. Uh, okay. My show after that is for.
0: All right, we'll come back after right. the next break, and we'll finish that thought. Thank you so right. much.
2: Okay.
1: is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt. And learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2. One Central on talkingnet.com Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, craigdoswald, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Doswald, Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 central on tuggynet.com. the word uttered when you know you have the upper hand or you're the winner well now we have the booyah radio hour with martin brasi tuesdays at 9 8 central on com. martin's show is all about helping speakers and authors find their niche create their brand, and achieve massive success. Each week, Martin will interview guests from around the world who have achieved tremendous success as speakers and authors. You'll find out who they are, what they do, and how you can follow in their footsteps to achieve incredible results. Guests will come from around the world of business, entertainment, finance, the arts, and sciences. Nothing is off topic, no subject too taboo. We'll share valuable information as well as huge laughs as we discover the ups and downs of being a successful speaker and author. The Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressey, Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on togedat.com.
0: And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is corporate comedian Greg Schwimm. We've been talking a little bit about uh, his, his uh, career in corporate comedy. And right before the break, we were talking about all the different various industries that he's worked for. You talked about hospitality. You've talked about um, uh, what were some of the other ones that you named?
2: You know, yeah, hospitality, insurance, um, electronics, uh, real estate, uh, automotive, uh, f- food, you know, restaurants. Um, there really is no, you know, people say, well, what, you know, who do you get your most bookings from? And I can't even answer that. I can tell you, I can tell you really the only group that I don't think I've ever worked for, and that's lawyers. <laughs> hmm. I, and, you know, I, 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 have, I have my theory about that. I, I think lawyers feel like they get made fun of enough and why do we want to hire an outside guy? Um, sure. plus I, I, think lawyers want to hear from other lawyers. I think that's a really exciting day for them, uh, at, at, at their meetings. If they can hear from another lawyer, uh, breaking down a case or breaking down a new law, I think that really, really uh, gets their adrenaline flowing. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's quite uh, possible. But you know, at the same time, I have a great time with insurance people and insurance people also get poked fun at all the time. Um, yeah. But, but they're, they're great audiences, and I'll tell you who uh, probably my favorite audiences, and this sounds really weird. Uh, engineers are probably my most favorite audience, and they're, and I don't have an engineering background, Brian. I don't know anything about engineering, but just the way they talk, and they, mm-hmm. they are so technical, and the great thing is they know it. They know yeah. that they are geeks, uh, for lack of a better word, and they know that, that, that people consider them geeks. But they're, they have excellent senses of humor about that very topic, and, wow. um, and they, they, really, they really love to laugh at themselves. So I enjoy working for them.
0: That's great. And I'll give you several opportunities to plug your website, but if you can tell us real quickly how someone can, can look up more information mm-hmm. about you, if they want to hire you, if they want to know mm-hmm. more about what you do. And what is your website?
2: It is – it's all one word, Comedy with a bite. Comedy with a – B-Y-T-E, like computerbyte.com.
0: ComedyWithabite.com. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah. And, uh, so, and I'm also all over YouTube too. If you just type Greg Schwem into YouTube, you can see an awful lot of different clips, show me in different settings, uh, yes. in a corporate event. And that's the thing about doing corporate comedy is you might be asked to, uh, be, you know, sometimes I'm asked to do a keynote. Sometimes I'm asked to be an MC for a multi-day event. Sometimes I'm asked to moderate a panel discussion, but make it very improvisational, put some humor in there off the top of my head, and and keep things lively, going back to our first point of just keeping the audience engaged.
0: Okay, that's great. Well, obviously, you do a lot of work in the corporate environments, which means mm-hmm. that you're on the road an awful lot. I'm sure you probably have a lot of great stories about what life is like on the road.
2: <laughs> it's not as glamorous as you think, a lot of hotels and airports. But uh, what, what what's great about this kind of I mean, I I, I can tell you stories about work in the clubs and work in those one-nighters in the deep south, uh, or I could tell you stories about just some of the more interesting corporate events I have. Um, you know, as far as a corporate comedian, I've done shows on, uh, uh, I, I've done shows on on boats, on, on yachts, um, it, for people having a company having a, you know, maybe they rented a yacht out and uh, for 50 people and they wanted me to do something there. Um, I've done shows bordering the 18th hole of a golf course. I did a show at an IMAX. I, uh, I had one company that rented out, the Beetlejuice exhibit at Universal Studios. And I was on the Beetlejuice stage uh, entertaining, entertaining the people. That was a, that was kind of a fun one. Wow.
0: That's so those great.
2: Are, those are nice. Now, some of the, you know, the club, I'd be nice, but I did spend a lot of years, as we talked about in the trenches, um, going around and doing shows in just some of the most bizarre situations. Uh, a show in um, Destin, Florida, right after the the first Gulf War ended, the one that lasted about 30 minutes, the one that General Schwarzkopf ran. Yes. Uh, that was in the early 90s, and th- this was right after the soldiers started to return home um, after three months of being in the desert without liquor or uh, female companionship. So they were a little bit wound up. Sure. But, uh, uh, needless to say, once they started passing the microphone around and telling their own jokes right before... I was supposed to go on. I knew this was not going to be a really good show. Mm. <laughs> and it wasn't, not, not one of the highlights of my career. Oh, but, okay. uh, but, you know, everything, those are the kind of stories that I'll remember forever and I'll tell forever. And they, they just, and when you tell them with a bunch of comedians, they just keep getting funnier. And then you say, yeah. how did I live through that? And how am I still doing this after having to endure that? Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, but yeah. That, that, it makes you, it really, it toughens you up.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to go through uh, some of those difficult times in order to realize, uh, you know, this is where I'm at now, and it helped me grow, and it, it built me up to who I am now. So that's that's really awesome. So let me ask: um, since you have spent so much time on the road, and I've asked this of some of my other guests too, because I, I've spent um, parts of different shows talking to people about how you balance your work life and your family life, because sometimes that can be a very difficult balance to strike, especially when someone like yourself is traveling an awful lot. So how does that work for you?
2: Well, it is tough. Um, I'm lucky in the fact that I, I say I'm, I'm one of the few comedians that work businessmen's hours, meaning um, that when I am gone, it's usually during the week. Um, I'm very fortunate to have most of my weekends free. I rarely, as weird as it sounds, being in show business, uh, I rarely work weekends. Um, so that allows me time to uh coach little league for my daughters and uh get to a lot of their events and uh, when i'm home i'm home during the day so i try to be very active in school and be available to go to school and volunteer when i when i can um and they realize that uh uh, like millions of kids out there and and millions of spouses that dad has to get on a plane every now and then to make money and um you know, I think once they realize that, then it becomes better. I mean, I, I don't I, I think the longest I think I've ever been away is seven days. And that was horrible. But, yeah, I, you know, I had to do it. It's not something I want to do. But I, I meet people on planes that travel way more than I do, that that basically leave on Monday and get home Friday and then get up and do it all over again. And I guarantee hmm. you they're not they're not having as much fun as I'm having. That's for sure.
0: No. <laughs> Do your kids ever take you to school for show and tell?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, they have. But uh, uh, <laughs> and you know, trying to make an audience of, of second graders laugh—pretty uh, much they'll laugh at anything. So, right. <laughs> so the teachers always want to know, can you tell a can you tell a joke that, you know, seven year olds would like, and I really have to think hard about that. And sometimes yeah. I, I draw a blank, but, uh, oh, yes, yeah. I have, I have been the show and tell person before.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's always nice to have, uh, a few really clean, silly jokes in your back pocket, because you never know. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, absolutely, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you well, never know. Their their, parent, their parents might run multinational corporations and w- might want to hire me. <laughs>
0: exactly. There you go. So uh, you also do a lot of writing in addition to your speaking and and performing. You have a blog. Um, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, my blog is basically an extension of my uh, my co- my newspaper column that I write. I do write a. Uh, a nationally syndicated column for Tribune uh, Media Services. And that's something I've really been doing about a year now. And um, uh, I, I basically just I, – I, again, my background is in journalism. I, I think it's important to, for me anyway to write every day. Uh, that's really <clears> – <throat> that's part of the discipline of being a comedian is you have to get up and you have to write something, even even if you just write one funny thought. But at least you're writing something. And uh, I wanted to write mm-hmm. – there was a lot of material that I uh, wasn't making it into my stand-up act, maybe because it was too long, uh, maybe a little too involved, a little too detailed. That's one of the things about doing live comedy these days is uh, live comedy is, is very much like – because we want that instant gratification. Uh, things like Twitter and yeah. uh, have made us want to be you, – you have to get your point across very, very quickly. And um, that's made it very tough uh, to do comedy now because you have to figure out, okay, I have to get these people's attention fast and I have to keep it. So Mm -hmm. I can't be going and telling a 15 minute story. But those are the kind of things that I that I started to uh, uh, write about. So I just approached um, uh, the Tribune media here in Chicago, which is the syndicated uh, arm of the Chicago Tribune, and said, um, I'd be interested in, in writing for you. And I sent some samples and. Then, uh, it, as luck would have it, they have a, uh, they have a, uh, a segment called Humor Hotel, uh, which mm. is comprised of three writers, and they said we happen to have an opening, so I jumped in. So I was really in the right place at the right time. So mm. I write about um, – there's really no rules on what they let me write about. I write a lot on pop culture. I write on technology, and I write a lot on parenting, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's a combination of all three of those.
0: Mm. Wow, that's that's great. So basically, you you reached out to them and and they basically said, yeah,
2: yeah, I did, I did, I, and I, I and I, I feel like that's pretty much how I kind of run my business. I think you have to be very proactive, um, and sometimes you have to actually hit people over the head and say, look, here is what I can do for you. I want to do this for you, and what is it going to take to make to let to let me do it for you?
0: Yeah. And doing something like that is really a great way to promote your business. I'm sure you have a byline when you yeah. when you put in your blog and that lets people know how to get a hold of you, which is a remarkable. Did you have to? Uh, did you have? Was this an extensive negotiation with them, or did they basically respond to you the first time that you reached out to them?
2: You know, it was it was about a month of ongoing. Because when I first went in, they said, "Well, we you know we like your stuff." I showed them my book. We can talk about that maybe the next segment a little bit. Exactly. I. They said, we don't have any openings right now, and um, they said, but we'll we'll like your style, and we'll stay in touch, and then that was when somebody uh, uh, dropped out, so again, being in the right place at the right time was was good, but I just kind of kept in touch with them, Not, not, not the hard sell, but just every now and then I'd email them and say, how's it going? Still interested? Don't forget about me. That's it. I think – and I I really think that's the way to do it. I mean I think people get bombarded so much today, Brian, with emails and and Mm -hmm. text messages and so forth that uh, overkill is never a good thing.
0: No, it isn't, and you don't want to hit someone over the head because we are constantly bombarded like you just said. Mm Mm-hmm but I think there's a touch that has to go with that just so that people know you're still there but at the same time you don't want them to feel like they're being intruded on we just have a few seconds before our break we are talking with Greg Schwem corporate comedian we've been talking about his life in comedy we've talked about balancing work and uh family life we've talked about what his life on the road is like and and the fact that he's also now a syndicated columnist with tribune media, ser- media services which is you know uh represented by the chicago tribune so that's uh, a really incredible uh forum and outlet for your uh, comedic work we will be right back after the break on the other side please stay with us this is success profiles radio
1: is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Booyah! That's the word uttered when you know you have the upper hand or you're the winner. Well, now we have the Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Brassi. Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on Toginet.com. Martin's show is all about helping speakers and authors find their niche, create their brand, and achieve massive success. Each week, Martin will interview guests from around the world who have achieved tremendous success as speakers and authors. You'll find out who they are, what they do, and how you can follow in their footsteps to achieve incredible results. Guests will come from around the world of business, entertainment, finance, the arts, and sciences. Nothing is off topic, no subject to taboo. We'll share valuable information as well as huge laughs as we discover the ups and downs of being a successful speaker and author. The Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressy, Tuesdays at 9, 8 Central on Togidant.com.
3: People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years. And now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern,
1: 11 a.m. Central.
0: Hello and welcome back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Greg Schwimm, who's a corporate comedian and author. And right before the break, we were talking about how you are a syndicated columnist for the Tribune Media Services, which is basically your blog. So I want yes. to ask, when you had enough blog entries, did you decide that that was going to become the book that you ended up writing called Text Me If You're Breathing?
2: No, actually the book came uh, long before the, the seeds of the book Started germinating long before the blog. Um, I, uh, you know, and here's my thing about blogs. I, I feel like the rise in blogs directly correspond with the rise in unemployment. If you notice, when people, when everybody was out of work, uh, the, I think the number of blogs quintupled, and, and so did the number of self-published books, for that matter, um, because everybody had all this time on their hands and they started writing just to have something to do. But um, I, I really started to think about this book when we had our first child Um, and I'll tell you what really did it is that we our our kids were both born um, with a little help from technology a little medical help Uh, one uh, one child was born with the help of fertility treatment fertility drugs and one was through in vitro fertilization and that's not a that's not a um, that's not a really humorous topic when you're mm-hmm. going through it, but I t- always told my wife, and partly to cheer up, I said, when, when this is all done and we've succeeded, we're going to laugh about this, and we, we can now, and I started writing about that, and then I started thinking about, okay, this is a weird world we live in because it's full of technology, and, and little by little as my kids uh, got older, there were events that happened in their lives and us as parenting that all had a technology hook to them, and I started writing about that, and that's really – what became the book is just grappling as a parent with all this technology that's being thrust at you and really more at your kids because they're the ones that are going to be carrying this stuff through. And uh, um, so there's chapters in the book. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, an extensive chapter about buying my oldest one, her first cell phone and uh, what's, what was involved with that and uh, what, what I had to learn to do as a parent after she got the phone, I mean, once your once your kid gets a cell phone, that's the end of face to face verbal communication with them, whether you like it or not. Right. So you have to learn the text messaging and the lingo and, and to be able to communicate with them. And that can be very humorous. It's also very frustrating. But part of what I uh, think is funny, I think the funniest topics out there are the things that frustrate people. So yeah. to me, technology coupled with parenting, you put them together and mm-hmm. you've got a book right there. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that was a chapter, uh, uh there was a chapter <clears throat> on there about me trying to learn how to play, uh, Nintendo Wii, because my kids, that's all they wanted for Christmas was a Wii game. I didn't know what a Wii game was. It just has mm-hmm. a, it has a funny title as it is, but I thought, okay, what is so great about this? So after they, we got, we got the Wii first and I thought, well, I should probably try and find a game that I'm good at or something. Uh, because one thing, any parent that knows and plays video games is no matter how good a, like no matter how good at something you were at real life, yeah. you're that bad at it in video games. You know, I'm uh-huh. I a I was a state ranked tennis player in high school. I can't hit a Nintendo Wii backhand to <laughs> save my butt. You know, but right. but that works in reverse too, Brian. I mean, I, I had no idea until we got Nintendo in the house. I had no idea what an awesome Ninja Sword Fighter. I, I was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm amazing at that, but anyway, so, so one of the chapters is me renting in the privacy of my own home one day when I was all alone, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, Tiger Woods pro PGA tour golf. It's something or like that. The word, the Tiger Woods is in the, is in the title and trying to master this. And it was obviously, it was a, a comedy of errors, but as I was playing it, I was writing down, uh, I was basically writing down a blow-by-blow description of me trying to learn how to play this stupid game, and mm-hmm. I never did get any better at it. So, mm-hmm. but uh, those are the kind of things that make it into the book.
0: That's great. What is the writing process for you like? Is it uh, like at, uh, at the computer, or do you do dictation, or how, how does that work for you?
2: No, I just it's at the computer, and basically, I just take a topic, and that's one of the great things about writing this column. Is a lot of times I can just take a topic that I think that I think. It could be funny, and I just have to flesh it out a little bit. Um, I'll give you an example. A couple of uh, uh, weeks ago, I wrote a, a column on where do your lids, the, the your storage lids for food. At least in my house, I don't know about yours, but in my house, they're always disappearing. I, I don't know why, but we can never ever. All of a sudden, the lids, not the, the whole container, just the lid, and um, and I started talking to them, And I, I posted something about that on Facebook, and people started responding to that yeah. i thought okay i'm on to something here and then i just uh basically started writing it long form and then you obviously as a humor writer you gotta you gotta go back and look at it and say okay can i put some jokes in here i'm a humor writer is this column funny enough right are people gonna laugh at it yeah. so uh that's pretty much the process but i will toss out a lot of ideas on um on facebook the column that i've got running tomorrow is on me. I, I uh, uh, got an audition. I, I was emailed an audition by a casting agent. Uh, it was for the Oklahoma city water department and the, my audition was to play the part of water. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that was it. So I, I was, I was auditioning. it was the lead. I mean, can't, yeah. can't deny that, you know, <laughs> I, was, yeah, I rip- was flattered, but, but the whole column is what, how, how does one go in and be water?
0: Yeah, that reminds me of the – I don't know if you ever used to watch Mad About You.
2: Oh, yeah, great show. That
0: reminds me of the episode that Yoko Ono was on, and she asked Paul Riser to draw the wind. Draw the wind. <laughs> <laughs> or right. paint, paint the wind or something like that or photograph the wind. <laughs> right. Wh- whichever it was, but it had to do with you know capturing the essence of the wind, and Paul Riser uh-huh. like – how do you do that? <laughs> how do you do that? It was a pretty funny episode.
2: Yeah. Now, a real, a real actor, which I am not one of, would probably have a great response for, oh, it's very easy to portray water, but I have no idea how to do it. And, uh, and, and again, I, had, I posted that one on Facebook, and I got a lot of very funny responses, which did also make yeah. its way make their way into the column.
0: Well testing material on social media is actually a really brilliant idea if you're you know trying to figure out what works and what resonates with people and and you get responses to some things and and you don't get responses to some things and yeah you know pretty pretty quickly you know what people are responding to
2: Well and I um, think the thing is everything everybody the whole old saying about everybody's a comedian I think everybody is I think everybody wants to be a comedian mm-hmm. um And people love that's what's one of the really great things about social media, like Twitter and so forth, is, uh, you know, normal people can be very funny in a very small space. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think I, I think it's been great for that. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, if someone wanted to get your book, how could they do that?
2: You can, uh, my book is available on, uh, it, you can find it in, in bookstores. You should be able to find it in Barnes and Nobles. Um, you probably mm-hmm. your best bet though, would be to find it online at, uh, at Amazon, particularly in the fact that so many people are reading books electronically now, Yeah, uh, be the best place you can download it. So it's, uh, you can just type in, just search my name, Greg Schwem, or text me if you're breathing. Okay. Um, I, I really hope people will buy it, uh, 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 The the actual paperback, because I spent a lot of time on the cover. The cover is actually me and my kids. Uh, Those are my kids. You won't see their faces because they are looking down uh, at cell phones. And uh, the cover has really gotten a lot of uh, publicity because it really, you just look at that cover and you say, if you're a parent, you say, oh my God, those are my kids. (laughs) Yeah. Those aren't your kids. Those are my children. Well, they're actually, yeah. they're everybody's children burying their face in their electronic gizmos.
0: Yeah, and some of the TV commercials tend to capture that that whole conversation really, yes. really well. Yeah. So Text Me If You're Breathing is the name of the book. It's about parenting and technology and realizing that your kids know a lot more about technology than you do and some of the fun situations that ensue from that, correct? Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and just trying to balance the two. Just trying to balance parenting. There's parenting and uh, um, and you know and, and technology, and realizing that uh, uh, you have to step back and laugh at this because it is a it is a scary world yeah. that uh, that kids are growing up in now. And yeah. uh, I mean, I can't even have you know I can't even have conversations with my parents about when they say, "Well, here's how we did it." <laughs> I yeah. would say, "Stop." <laughs> Stop right yeah. there. You, 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 what you, I cannot compare what I'm going through to what you're going through. Thirty years ago, we could have done that. But I can't – you you can't even begin to start a conversation with here's how we did it and yeah, expect exactly. to say, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I yeah. should do that. Maybe I should let them walk five miles to school. There you go. <laughs> what a great exactly. idea that would be. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, let me ask you this, Greg. I mean, a lot of people that I've had on the show that have written a book uh, usually like to read as well. So I want to ask, what is it that you're reading these days? What inspires you?
2: Uh, you know, I kind of go in spurts. I, I do like to read books that make me laugh. Uh, so I, like, I do like to read books by humor writers. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, and he, he might not be in the conversation of humor because his humor is very biting and very sarcastic, but Tom Wolfe has always been one of my favorites. Uh, Bonfire of the Vanities – Uh, Man in Full, um, The Right Stuff, I I think one of these, just the most brilliant writers out there, and he's got another one coming out, I think in the fall, and what I read about it, he he takes aim at Miami, uh, Miami, Mm. and the nightlife, and so forth, and I can't wait to read that, Um, another one of my favorites is Carl Hyasson, uh, Carl Hyason, former column, columnist for the Miami Herald, uh, mm-hmm. born and raised in Florida, writes about Florida, writes about all the wackos that live in Florida. And uh, I think, mm-hmm. you know, he wrote he wrote Striptease, which they made a movie about and uh, a, few, a few others and, and uh, uh, really enjoy uh, his work. And then I'm, I'm a big legal thriller guy. I like David Baldacci. Um, okay. And uh, um, so I kind of go biographies every now and then, not mm-hmm. a huge biography fan but uh, you know what here's my thing about biographies i want to read like one chapter yeah. uh you know like I, I thought it was funny that remember the guy that landed the plane in the hudson chesley sullenberger yes okay he comes out with his he came out with a, bi, a biography was written about him and mm-hmm. it came out within the year after he landed the plane and I, I was looking at that in the store thinking okay i i just want to read the one part where he landed the plane I want to read
0: exactly
2: what, i don't want to read about because i don't think i don't want to read about chesley sullenberger playing little league you know i, I, don't, right. think, I don't think that had anything to do with him landing the plane in the hudson <laughs> so you know your life exactly
0: Well, tell I, you what greg we are com- go ahead i was going to say we are coming right up to the end of the show we have just a few seconds left so if i can just ask once again how can we get a hold of you if someone wants to hire you if someone wants to buy your book how can we get a hold of you
2: all right, best way to go to my website, comedy with a Bite, comedywithabite.com. There's information about the book, um, and there's lots of video clips on there, and you can kind of see what I, uh, what I do in the world of comedy.
0: Yep. and I saw your website yesterday, and, and I've seen it several times, and it's a great website. So we are at the end of a really uh, fantastic episode of Success Profiles Radio. I am your host, Brian K. Wright. Come back next week on Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Have a great week, everyone.